Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. She's mid-August already. Jeez. Almost time to go back to school. Yeah, I guess technically tomorrow is mid-August, so we can pretend that it's not. <laughs> we're like mid-August minus a day or whatever. It was cold this morning, and I actually put on pants to walk here, and then halfway here regretted it because it got hot again because our weather is stupid. It goes yeah. back and forth all the time. Not great. I've, I've had similar struggles for slightly different reasons, which is that and this is a whole other long story, but anyways, we did get the dog and I forgot that. So I thought he was a year and a half. It turns out he's probably more like nine months. And so, which is, you know, great and all. Actually, he's very similar to your dog who's sitting over there. Dog's here again. Very well behaved. But anyway, you know, I didn't realize how, and this sounds dumb to say, but like how worked up and sweaty you get chasing a dog <laughs> or even like pretending to, because he's one of those dogs, you can kind of just like go down, you know, like you're going to lunge at him, but then you don't. And then he just runs back and forth for a little bit and then freezes and then you go down, you know. Yeah. But even doing that, I was like in the basement, which is supposed to be the coolest spot. I mean, it is the coolest spot, but not temperature wise. And yeah, and I just was like, oh my God, pants and a shirt were a terrible yeah. choice. Like, And so I had to switch to shorts and an undershirt just to keep up with this dog. It's good. I, I wanted that. You know, I wanted the workout and whatnot, but I was like, man, I can't plan. And then you go outside and you're like, I can't, I can't figure this out. You know, it's just, well, I mean, it is mid-August, but still like, I'm not used to all of this type of dog related nonsense. Well, on Sunday... Fanaticon was nice enough to give the Mayfair a bunch of free passes because they advertise with us. And I was going to bike because it's a nice bike ride because I'm in the Glebe. But you can kind of cut cross country and take these paths and get there shockingly fast to the little convention center where it's at, even though it looks really far away from me. Ended up driving with a friend of mine. But the Weather Network is just always lying. All day it was like, going to rain, <laughs> going to rain. You're all in on the Weather Network. Oh, God, yeah. And it never rained. Fanaticon was cool. I didn't get anything movie-related. I picked up a bunch of Dollar Bin comics, which I can never, ever resist. Just weird rarities, and they're a dollar. It's like, what was your favorite weird one? There was one, and it's like, I can't remember the title, but it was like a... Steve Ditko, after his Marvel stuff, just did a treasure trove of forgotten weird comics. So I got one, and it was... it You know, it looks like a sci-fi, outer space kind of thing, but really instantly you look at the cover and you're like that's a steve ditko comic so i got that then i got like a ninja turtle ripoff with penguins in it what is it called do you know I, you I'm don't bad. expect you to remember because no. it's probably something like something alliterative with a lot of p's perilous penguins psychopathic Ooh, good i didn't even think of that nice the soft p i love it but i love that era of just kind of cheap paper a lot of independent stuff but now it's just all in cheap bins so i got that got my fake nephew a cool little homemade pokeball with a little diorama inside it Jeez. with little pikachu wait wait a minute so it's got stuff happening like in the ball yeah it's really neat i love this kind of stuff this kind of crafty stuff at comic-con so it's it's a clear on the top white on the bottom okay. plastic ball okay okay like yeah, a I think really it's like in the show like it's kind of wet yeah on the bottom. it looks like a really big version of something you might get out of a gumball machine but it's way too big to fit in a gumball machine and then this is kind of Again, crafty. It's sitting on top of a little sturdy plastic, I don't know, wine glass. Just like a little like thing. <laughs> what? But for, so th for children. <laughs> but, then, but then inside is a little Pikachu and then some little foliage. 
and a little i think there's a little like path like a little road oh my god but it looks really cool and so i like that kind of homemade stuff that you always see at comic cons we have a friend who makes sock monkeys nerd sock monkeys and pillows and stuff like that but yeah you always see that kind of cool stuff at comic con so i got that it was his ninth birthday so that's for him it makes me think of like a ship in a bottle type of thing. But Essentially, yeah. Kind of yeah, looks like, like that. Not quite that. I, Except you could throw it at people. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. So everything inside it is glued in real good. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to... I'm sure if you threw it around, it might not be great. <laughs> but it's not like under glass. Like the kid okay. could carry it around in his backpack and be fine probably. I think they might do that on the show too. I can't... I keep speculating about the show as if I've watched it. But Well, I, the show, I as far as I understand, I mean, I guess this is cinematic because they made a bunch of movies. It's kind of like a genie in a bottle. Because the animal lives in the Pokeball, and then you take out the Pokeball and throw it, and then the animal comes out, and you have a battle. Hmm. So that was cool. But yeah, so that's always fun. So I went to a little Comic-Con on the weekend. It's always nice to have that kind of support local back and forth for other cool nerd activities. Yeah. Every year you always invite me, and I'm always like, oh no, it's <laughs> Sunday morning. I think it was Sunday morning. Oh yeah, because like, I thought I was doing cinema the night before, and I was like, I can't do it. I'm doing cinema the night before. I'm gonna be up late. And then you yeah. were like, actually, it's a week or two weeks earlier yeah. than that. And I was like, well, uh, the dog. Then we're getting a dog, I guess. I know uh, Sam last year got a really cool Wizard of Oz Treasury Edition comic, like oh, oversized yeah. comic book. Yeah, is usually really expensive, and I think he got it for a pseudo reasonable price. Was that the one that was near my house last year? Or was that a different one? Well, it's at the baseball stadium yes yes okay i forget the name of the little hotel but yeah because jo- or uh, not josh that's you well you were there too but there. <laughs> but lee went with sam and someone else i believe yeah if lee, i remember lee and he got in... like a r2 thing or maybe yeah, yeah it's a pretty neat place because it's kind of like flea market style so there's a lot of reasonably priced stuff where you can get retro action figures for i got a a new but a merman action figure from the new masters of the universe line oh nice for 10 bucks does he have that exasperated look on his face it's a really cool figure like because it's actually playable like if a kid played with it you could actually it's not like a mcfarland <laughs> a kid, toy you know, where it, like, you're yeah, playing with kid, it let's be i honest. didn't do it <laughs> i did not put it on my battle cat at all i knew it <laughs> but has like a million points of articulation but is actually you know guilty some of these modern toys they're not really toys you kind of put them on a shelf like a statue but these ones are actually built that some kid could play with them out in the yard or whatever but i got that for 10 bucks where huh. i think i've seen them on amazon for like 35 so. yeah i got scare glow i think it's called oh yeah something like that i'm pretty sure that's right and so yeah and he's cool because he glows in the dark first of all that's cool and second of all i believe he's voiced by tony todd okay so that yeah star of the rock and Candyman, <laughs> but the rock he's the rocket man you know in the rock you know come on were you conscious when the masters of the universe live action movie came out i mean i mean i was like, alive what that was 87 i think yeah yeah so i was five or yes no that's right that math is correct because it shows you how dumb kids are when masters of the universe came out I was as excited as a Star Wars movie. And I really did. If I had been a, a CEO at nine years old or whatever, oh, I, w- I would have been like, this is the one. Put all of our money behind this. Frank Langella. I love that guy. I was so excited to go see it. It's a weird movie because to save money, I guess, it's only bookended in Eternia. And the bulk of it takes place in our world. Like He-Man comes to our world. And I remember being so disappointed by that. I still thought it was really cool, but just to save money, they were like, yeah, let's have him come to Earth. Then we don't got to build all these sets and everything where I thought the whole thing was going to be like Crawl or Dune or Star Wars, that yeah. kind of 80s stuff. You know, they could have 
done that. The budget couldn't have been that much because, I mean, they recycled. I assume they recycled. It's canon, right? Like, yeah. So they yeah. recycled a bunch of stuff. You're telling me in all the Golan Globus stuff, you don't have a bunch of sets or couldn't have done more than you did? And they couldn't have Orko because they couldn't figure out how to make a little flying guy? Which is bizarre because <laughs> like, you're like, wouldn't it just have been Yoda kind of? It's like a flying, it's like a little wizard with a hat, right? Yeah. But just you'd think with some like wires and a belt, they could have figured out how to have a little person be flying around in that costume. But instead they made a brand new character to replace him because they're like, yeah, we don't have that technology. Yeah, even like using a green screen or a Muppet or both. Like you're Something. T- nobody thought yeah. that there was a way to just, he's not even going to be in the movie that much. I was all in. I had, or probably still have the magazine the glossy magazine of the behind the scenes kind of stuff <laughs> yes. oh oh that was a good movie I, good bad yeah, movie yeah I, I, I haven't come around on it yet i don't remember the first time i saw it i mean a five-year-old could watch that. like skeletor is a little creepy i guess but yeah. like it's not that it's not like i was telling my friend yeah so we met this dude we've been jamming with him i can't remember how old he is we'll say 25 i don't know but i was telling him about certain things and like he doesn't know which is not surprising but one of them yeah. was um judge doom in uh, roger rabbit oh yeah because we were sort of talking about nightmare fuel and stuff you see as a kid that's freaky and whatever and so, like, I was like, oh, have you ever seen, you know, Frank Roger Rabbit? And he had, which I wasn't surprised, but still. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, man, you got to watch that because it's creepy as hell. And, and I rewatched it now, and it's it's silly now, obviously, watching it as an adult, you know, and you're just like, ah, oh, that's not really that scary. But like, as a kid, you're just like, I remember being traumatized by that. <laughs> like, well, and it's kids silly. don't have that thing in their head yet of logically the character named Roger Rabbit is probably not going to be killed by the villain. <laughs> halfway through the movie although it comes close like oh my god watching it last night that scene i was like oh my god the spray you're gonna spray him one of my little fake nieces a friend of mine's kid she got terrified with paddington or paddington 2 which one is nicole kimmon in paddington uh yeah Yeah, because yeah hugh grant's the villain in the she wasn't scared by hugh grant though uh she probably was too terrified to see the second one (laughs) yeah true she was watching it here with her parents and i was in the box office and i had seen it before so this is a few years back but her dad brought her out because she was so scared because she was convinced nicole kidman was gonna catch paddington (laughs) and without talking down to her i was just trying to explain of like (laughs) you know you're probably pretty safe that in the kid movie called paddington that the villain's not going to kill Paddington 15 minutes into the movie. Plus, there's a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilies. But she wasn't convinced. Kids don't have that. You know, kids yeah. Kids go into a movie fully suspension of disbelief. Like Cruella de Vil, you're like, oh, hey, yeah. She's killed before and she'll kill again. Yeah. She's going to get all these dogs. <laughs> and plus, I guess I hadn't thought about that as a kid, too, but like she had her cloak or whatever. Was that not made of Dalmatians? Or it's implied maybe that it was? Or am I? Or is it different dogs? Isn't in the movie she figures out Dalmatians? would be the coolest oh maybe yeah like because i'm thinking now like this wasn't her first time being like wait a minute maybe dog skin could be what i'm into everything about cruella deville i saw it on a re-release in the 80s i would say just like the scary place she lives even her goofy sidekicks kind of scared me and again i probably saw it when i was like five or six and i was like Yep, she's going to catch those dogs. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure there's some people that were actually rooting for it, people who hate dogs. I yeah. don't know. We, <laughs> we don't care for those people. Not me, obviously, now that I'm going to be in the dog club. It's funny. I saw a thing, one of those retro tweets, and it was the something anniversary of Bambi. And the poster for Bambi says, a new film from Walt Disney Studios based on the Book of the Month Club selection. And I was like, wow, was the Book of the Month Club that much of a thing that they put that on a poster for a movie? And I guess it was. Maybe everybody was in the Book of the Month Club back in the day, back in the 40s and 50s. That's weird. So, like, before the movie 
came out, there was a book. Yeah, so of, it was it was a book, like a quote unquote kids book. I feel like I should feel stupid asking that question, but I'm also like, I, I don't know if I knew there was a Bambi book. Like, all those, all the, I mean, all those. I don't know what the first original Disney cartoon was. Yeah. And again, we could look on the internet, but <laughs> we're not doing that. I don't know. Like, Even the Rescuers Con- and Fox yeah. and the Hound might have been books before. Probably. Was it Condor Man? Condor Man, yeah. <laughs> that, that can't have been a book. Actually, maybe it was. God. But yeah, because most of their stuff was all like, oh, we save time and effort by just basing it off a book or a fairy tale. Yeah, and like for a lot of that, you know, I know Pinocchio and, you know, all that. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. What, it seemed like I was going to name more things, but mm-hmm. still. You blanked. Yeah, yeah. But, but the point is, yeah, I mean, because hilariously, so much of that was so altered from the original stories, which were dark as hell. Like, oh, yeah. Like oh, Brothers yeah. Grimm style, you know, and so it's it, almost like biblical violence and some of that stuff oh yeah all that stuff and even the more modern ones years later when it was beauty and the beast aladdin little mermaid supposedly little mermaid is oh yeah that's a horror story brutal. essentially yeah yeah, yeah. And like i don't think it has a happy ending i don't think so like... yeah so if any kid when they're like a teenager in high school or even in junior high and if they're like oh I, that's my favorite movie i'm gonna read the book scarred for life yeah and and i mean you know we're used to books not being exactly the same but it's funny like i mean even stuff like we talked about jaws with the weird cheating on the wife and and the organized crime because (laughs) yeah like and it's i mean i I would imagine something more like you know something like the godfather is probably more accurate i think so because like mario puzo actually like worked on the movie so you know stuff like that you you don't expect huge big changes but it's inevitable but stuff like that you know when it's yeah when you see it as a kid and you love it as a kid and then you get old enough to read it which probably might not it might might still be pre-teens when, yeah, you, yeah, when yeah. you get that itch and then you're like yeah like it makes me think of you've talked about this before too like reading Stephen King in your teens pre-teens whatever and you're yeah. just like ah, it's just a book like a book can't hurt me you know and yeah. you're reading it and it's, for me I remember it was like some of the sexual stuff that made me feel kind of weird where I was just like what like I just didn't get it you know like, yeah and I think I just kind of passed by it yeah like know? I'm reading it and I was like not really interested but also confused and just eh, you know whatever because like, I totally read it when I was 11 or 12 yeah, a hundred percent. Now that I think about it, and there's Don't stuff in there it. where it's like I shouldn't have been reading that. Yeah. But it's like, but I think it's true. If my mom saw me sitting on the couch reading a book, it was just like, oh, good reading, educational, sure. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And that's even some comic books were way more intense than others. Oh my god. Well, I'm a kid of the '80s, right? So I was. 10 years old when Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen came out. Oh, wow. And I read those way too young. I'm sure my dad bought me Dark Knight Returns and was like, oh, like Batman 66 from yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And even like Kingdom Come was pretty intense, like if you were a kid, probably. Oh, yeah. Well, then that was, I hated that era just in that they were really, there was a whole catchphrase DC comics aren't just for kids. Oh, jeez. So they were going out of their way. And you're like, can some of them be for kids? I don't know. They do a better job of that now of having a little something for everybody. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, there was, you know, you would see stuff like ads that were like, not your grandfather is blank or whatever. And I remember my dad being offended by that, where he's just like, you know, how dare they say what, you know, I'm just like, it's an ad. Like, who even cares? I imagine. A younger fan of the Batman, Bat Madison, yeah, would look at Tim Burton's two Batman films, and they're as wacky and out there as a young Tim Burton fan would look at a Batman sixty six. Yeah, because you look at Batman and Batman Returns, and you've got penguins with missiles on their backs. Yeah, and you've got a zombie Catwoman, and you've got a big parade with Prince music, 
and you compare that to Bat Madison, that's wholly different. Like, I could be wrong, but I'm very curious. Like, I can't imagine Clayface in the Bat Madison world, but maybe, you know. They kind of, they were talking about it, but yeah, it would seem to be like a bit of a joke. I'd be all for it. It's a great character. Like, I always had hoped that they would be able to do that in some way or another. He's great. Like, the Harley Quinn show, the adult show is so good. Clayface and Bane and that are just phenomenal. Well, and in the 90s, like, and I just learned that Mr. Freeze was essentially brought back to life in the 90s with the animated series, Batman animated series. Yeah. And before that, he was, wasn't was really used much and kind of was like on Batman 66, but then kind of went away for a long time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was all thanks to the animated series that he came back. And then it was, it's so funny how you look back on time. And you're like, okay, that was 93. And then four years later, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Batman and Robin. Yeah. And, and it's funny too. Like there was several things in Batman Returns that were direct subplots from 60s Batman. Oh, for sure. So it's kind of funny that they brought that into a more serious kind of world. But again, like you said, depends on your point of view, how serious those movies were. And I'm still mad about that because now we do a really good job about kind of tipping our hat to legacy nerd Mm -hmm. celebrities. So you've got stuff like Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in the movie, plays Supergirl's mom on the CW show. Or you had Linda Carter have a cameo in the second Wonder Woman film. So we're really good about that. And I know Adam West wanted to be in Batman 89. Mm -hmm. And you can see the argument where they're like, well, we really want to... Be our own thing. Yeah, you like know? he wanted to be the star of the movie, yeah. too, initially, anyway. I would have countered and said, hey, do you want to play Thomas Wayne? That sure. would be cool. Why not? Kind of like Paul Rubens in Batman Returns. Kind of yeah. thing. Like you could have had a little role, you know? And what's interesting is that in the animated world, Adam West showed up in the animated series, mm-hmm. Batman in the animated series, as the Grey Ghost, who was Bruce Wayne's favorite superhero. And then we just were watching The Batman, unrelated, but there's a show called The Batman. Oh, right. And he shows up as the mayor in that show. Well, and also in Family Guy. So that's a little bit and of a And then nod. I think in Brave and the Bold, which is a really great campy Batman show, he shows up in there. Huh. So in the animated series, they were very like, oh, yep, let's have Adam in here. But I think nowadays, if a Batman 89 type movie had been made now, yeah. much more likely to have Adam West Almost certainly. In there. Especially post-Flash, you know. with I haven't watched it yet, but from what I've seen with the the shout-outs of that, you know. Yeah. I finally caved. I have a, like, a legit Nick Cage autograph, but I've never had an Adam West one. And even when he was alive, my best friend ordered his book and he would inscribe, you know, you could ask for a personal thing or whatever, you know. And I never did it. I just never got around to it, you know. And then he died. And so now it's more expensive, obviously. And, you know, I was kind of looking around and I was watching a couple of, like, actual, actual autographs. But then... I looked at a few um, like reprints, and so I ended up pulling the trigger on that, which I might not normally have done, but they had one that had him, Burt Ward, and uh, not Nevon DiCarlo, you know, Batgirl. Yeah. And so like they had the three of them, and it was all, you know, the three of them and all autographed on them or whatever, and it was like 13 bucks or something, and I was like... Is it like a nice, glossy paper exactly, photocopy, yeah. Like, it looks legit, you know, like, as I mean, you'd be able to tell if you look close kind of thing. Yeah. That's not real. But it was just one of those things where I was like, bidding was going up for this one, and I was like, you know, does it, you know, do I want to spend 60, 70 bucks on a real one, quote unquote, or would I, because, re- like, it's kind of cooler than the three. Like, it's like, sure, it's not real, but I'm like, well, you know, whatever. He's dead. Like, come on. He's not going to be mad. That's the age I'm in. I'm like, I would much rather, well, now I get so many of these Marvel books, just, I just read them digitally, but... A while back, a few years ago at Christmas, I got two volumes of Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. And it's every single Howard the Duck comic. And they were, I don't know, 25 or 30 bucks a piece. So for 60-ish bucks, yeah. I got that. 
Whereas if I was just to buy Howard the Duck number one, that's probably $300 or something. How many uh, issues is that? It's like two kind of medium-sized omnibuses. So I forget what it is. Like, it didn't last... The comic didn't last forever, but maybe it was like 30 or 40 issues or something like that. There's one where he battles Dr. Bong. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything else other than the cover where he's like, oh no, Dr. Bong. And I'm like, yeah, Dr. Bong. Well, Howard's another character who I'm waiting, like, you know, he had three cameos in the three Guardians movies, but... Nowadays, it really is stranger things have happened if Marvel's like, yep, we're going to do a Howard the Duck movie. Like an animated thing could be cool, even just like six episodes, whatever, like, because that almost, I get the vibe of maybe almost like a Roger Rabbit kind of thing where you could sort of play around with, they've got that humor and you could have characters sort of out of their elements in a silly way. Well, I know that, very funny, but Leah Thompson, who starred in Howard the Duck has become quite a successful director. And she's doing some cool stuff like Star Trek episodes and stuff. And she said in an interview that she and a guy named Chip Zdarsky, who's a Canadian comic artist and writer. I have uh, I have one of his sketches on a Batman comic. Oh, cool. That's that guy. Yeah, he well, he was here recently for a free comic book day in okay. Ottawa. But he's a Canadian guy and he worked on Howard the Duck. He wrote Howard the Duck. And she said that she and he have made a pitch to Marvel Cinematic. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be if the actress from the old movie directed the new movie? I didn't even know she was directing now. Oh, yeah. And she's really building up a resume and smartly kind of focusing towards saying, hey, let me do a Marvel thing. Mm -hmm. Because she did a bunch of sitcoms and stuff. But then she got to do, I think, two episodes of Star Trek to kind of work with effects and do that kind of thing. That would be such a cool story of the actress from the flop but now (laughs) cult so bad it's good loved movie gets to do a new movie based on the really good modern comic books yeah so yeah so we'll see but i wouldn't be surprised if that happened am i way off base in thinking that she was caroline in the city that was her that was her okay i thought this whole time i was like i'm pretty certain that's caroline in the city but if i'm wrong well nothing will happen well and they did a funny thing in howard the duck they had leah thompson in howard the duck the comic book okay the, the modern one and canonically She's related to Flash Thompson, the Spider-Man character. So just for fun, they put her in and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm Flash's aunt. (laughs) I don't even have no notes to add to that. That's amazing. Well, and she can obviously see like it's bread and butter at this point to be a part of that and and leaning into that, especially if you were anything to do with any of that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, wait, people love this. Yes. Paychecks are nice. Yeah. Okay. So let us mention the movies we have upcoming the week of Friday August 18th, mm-hmm. we have two movies back for Encore Weeks, Past Lives, for a fourth week. Oh, wow. Jeez. And that is a really good movie. It's a hard to explain, but it's kind of basically two kids from South Korea who go their separate ways and decades later are reunited in New York City. Oh, the one we thought was Sliding doors but it wasn't. isn't actually Sliding yeah. doors it's an adjacent to that because we we never see an alternate universe. Okay. But you get this sad sense that maybe these two were meant to be. Right. But very good little character piece movie. And then the other one back for a third week is Asteroid City. Oh, wow. Which I loved. And full disclosure, Eric did not. Here we go. I knew this was going to happen. Okay. <laughs> but, but you, you got to be nice to it because we're showing it. So pretend you liked it. <laughs> no, no. Well, I didn't hate it. Like, here's, I love Wes Anderson. He's one of my favorite directors, writers, directors, whatever, you know. And like, I loved French Dispatch. It's literally hanging in my kitchen right now, the poster. Like, such a great poster. Thanks to Josh for that. But anyway. Nah. And so, but so this, I was like hyped, really wanted to see it. It's so weird. It's shot beautifully, obviously. Like, great acting, great score. The sets are so good. I have nothing bad to say about it in a way 
but I just I didn't connect with it. It's so like, weird. That yeah. happens. Uh, yeah, and it's just weird. like, and it is the structure is a little bit different than his other stuff. Not at times, not, but just the whole framing device is different. And so there is. It's also one of those movies where like you could watch it and be like, oh great, and then you read an essay on it afterwards, and you're like, oh shit, I never even would have thought of any of those things, parables and all this stuff. You know. But see, I'm always fascinated when this happens. And again, come see the movie because I loved it. And, and other people loved it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're not the only person I know who loved I, it. I teased Eric a week ago because I said I was working and it got a big round of applause <laughs> at the end. And I was like, well, somebody likes it, Eric. I hate not loving it. <laughs> believe me. Yeah. But I am fascinated by that just to show that movies are subjective. Mm-hmm. Is that I like super loved it and loved watching the end credits even and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And you didn't. And it's so... And that happened a couple years ago with Parasite, where oh, yeah. you didn't oh, like it. I Damn it. it. Stop bringing up that I didn't like things <laughs> You didn't like love. the beloved Oscar-winning movie yeah. Parasite. I, and again, I did not hate it. I, nope. I, had, I didn't regret watching it. I just didn't like it was a movie that happened. It was more just like by the time you see it after it has that much accolades and you're just like, oh, well, like it was good. But then vice versa. What's the name of the comedy you made me watch? Oh, uh, oh, God. Uh, it was a spoof in the 90s. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, f- uh, was it Fatal Instinct? Fatal Instinct. With uh, Carl Reiner, I believe it was. So Eric loved Fatal Instinct, and as did others, because he was watching it with other people, and they all laughed at it, too. Yeah, everyone, he threw out uproarious laughter yeah. throughout. I, and I hate to hate, I hated <laughs> it. And so what's wrong with me? Why didn't I laugh at that when anyone else did? So again, it shows you that just movies like food, like anything else are are very subjective and even friends can have this difference of opinion. But when you have a difference of opinion, and I've heard people joke about this, in the good old days, you would go, oh, well, I liked it. You didn't. Let's go have lunch. Whereas now there's a mindset of like, I hated it. So I'm going to go on the internet and spend my whole life angry. I still see people angry about the whole Zack Steiner stuff. And I'm like, that's great that you loved it. But the world has moved on. Yeah. Zack's directing different stuff. You know, you have other things to look forward to from him. But just to put all your energy into anger. I'm not going to go start a blog about Fatal Instinct about how I didn't like it and how it was wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it, it hurts to not like a movie. And especially when it's like a filmmaker you like or a yeah. cast or whatever, all that, you know, pretty used to, like it was the same with like our Mayfair super fans who despised Mandy oh like yeah every single thing about Mandy <laughs> and then I had, like, I had a Mandy shirt on at the time and I was like oh what, what did you guys think of the movie and he was like <laughs> oh I just hate everything just and I was like okay because I was like I totally get why someone wouldn't care for that movie but also at the same time it was the same thing about the Meg 2 where initially right. that had a zero percent of Rotten Tomatoes and I was like if you can't find anything at all redeemable about any element at all about a minute of this movie really like not even the sound or a shot was cool I don't know yeah but well, it's like, it, like I didn't like Man with the Iron Fists, mm-hmm. but if I was talking with the Riz about it, I would be nice about it and just say everything I like because sure. I liked so much about it and I thought it showed potential. And if he continues along to do more stuff, I think he really could be a really cool director. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time just not liking anything about a movie because I know they're so hard to make. <laughs> Drunk uh, Russell Crowe was pretty good. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I think he had a claw hand. Okay, so then our new movie this week is called Shortcomings. It's the directorial debut of Randall Park, who you might know from some Marvel stuff like WandaVision. He plays Hmm. Jimmy Woo. And he was in the interview where he played... I think they changed the name, but he played the quote-unquote president in the interview. Wild. And he's been in a bunch of stuff. So this is... A, I think a romantic dramedy follows a trio of young San Francisco urbanites while traveling the countryside. Hmm. So I guess it's like a road trip, but it starts in San Francisco. All right. 
But it looks really good. A lot of great reviews. Found a whole bunch of 3.5 out of 4 star reviews from places. And it was a Grand Jury Prize nominee at Sundance. Wow. So we got that for the full week. So that's a awesome. cool, cool new movie to come check out. Yeah, yeah. That all sounds good. And then we have the Rocky Horror Picture Show returning, hosted by the absent friend Shadowcast. Again, a 9.45 show versus a midnight show. So a little bit easier for folks to come out and enjoy. Yeah, I gotta love that. Then our cool Canadian cult classics film fest continues. Every time that you nail that, I'm always shocked because it's such a like mouthful coming out there. The first two we screened were kind of more of a exploitation grindhouse kind of thing with Sudden Fury and East End Hustle. This one is called The Kid Brother. Disruptions caused in the life of a 13-year-old who had underdeveloped legs that were removed as a baby when a documentary film crew comes into his life to document his day-to-day life. I remember this movie when I was a kid, like 10 years old or so, of they make movies in Canada because they really (laughs) publicize this as a Canadian film. Yeah. And plus you're like, and that boy doesn't have legs. Like that's got it for a kid. I imagine that's got to be like kind of a noteworthy. You're like, he's around my age. And it was almost meta. It's a fictionalized film about a documentary, but that kid is playing himself, kind of. Huh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it really is a, a young man with no legs. And it kind of like, from my perception of the movies in this film fest, this is one of the more serious ones. I think so, and slightly more family-friendly, kind of. Yeah, I know very little about it. Other than, Like, wild poster, like really cool poster. He's on a skateboard. Yeah. With no legs, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to keep harping on that part, but I yeah. mean, it's kind of a major thing about this. But yeah, so that looks good. That's a kind of a real acclaimed Canadian film. Yeah, looking forward to it. Then the last one we have this week is a rental called In From The Side, presented by Ottawa Wolves RFC. And it's following a drunken encounter, oh. two equally attached men from a cash-strapped and divided gay rugby club unwittingly sleepwalk into an affair... What? must conceal their growing feelings or risk destroying the club they love. Oh, like they walk into an affair with each other? Yeah, so it's, oh, a, oh. it's a gay romance on a rugby club that if it comes out, it's going to uh, tear apart their team. Got you. I, I thought you meant they walked into a room and saw someone having an affair oh. and then they had to keep it to themselves or else No, no, it no, they thing. did it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. I was like, what, is this a peeping Tom type of thing? Yeah. You said a lot of genres in one sentence, so it was... Yeah, I just read what's on the page. <laughs> yeah, they set you up. I mean, this seems good, though. I mean, that, that sounds like a little bit of uh, Ted Lasso. They had a character who was gay who was, like, worried about telling the team because he thought he'd be ostracized. But this one is actually a a gay rugby club, so I think it's more of their affairs are the thing they're keeping in order, where if it was just a relationship, that'd be okay. But We we hope. I mean, I don't know. They probably addressed that in the movie, I would imagine, so you have to watch it to know. Yeah, come see the movie. Is it Australian? Uh, Because you said it's rugby, so I'm just guessing it might be Australian. It just specifies UK, so... Okay. Yeah. All right, that's fair. But yeah, so that, that's a good thing is, you know, come out and support this fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm already intrigued asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the weeks to come, we just announced all of our William Friedkin movies. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Lee just went nuts. So yeah. we're, we're screening The Sorcerer, Cruising, To Live and Die in L.A., Killer Joe, and The Guardian. It's just Sorcerer. Come on. Oh, yeah. I always do that. I did that on the website (laughs) and then noticed and had to go back and fix it. Yeah. So for like 10 minutes, it said the sorcerer. It's because you want it to be the sorcerer because you're picturing it being like some dude with powers. Yeah. Isn't it about "Mm." wizards and stuff? Yeah. So I thought the first time I watched it. But amazing. It's also funny that I believe on the last podcast, I was like, when are we getting sorcerer? We get sorcerer. So 
we're showing four of his films in September, and then it's great to kind of kick this off already. Mm-hmm. But Guardian will kick off Halloween month because it's a crazy, weird horror film. Ironically, it's The Guardian. <laughs> and you, you didn't give it the, the take the, the from the other you. movie. Stop correcting me. <laughs> And then, is it The Exorcist? No, no, now you don't know anymore. Or Exorcist? He's panicking. Is it Shining or The Shining? It's a good thing we're near the end of the podcast. So then in a few weeks, instead of having it as part of this pack, we're going to have The Exorcist double build with The Shining, not a William Friedkin movie, as per usual, closer to Halloween. Right. It's so funny because of these movies, the one I'm kind of looking most forward to is The Guardian, even though it's kind of a notorious kind of weird campy flop of a film yeah just i've never seen it even on vhs so to see that on the big screen is fun but then his other movies i'm guilty of not having seen the sorcerer or gotta get it you monster i'm guilty of not having seen sorcerer and to live and die in la so to see those on the big screen is cool Mm -hmm. killer joe i saw when we screened it almost 10 years ago i think but that was really part of the whole reconnaissance yeah and a lot of people don't know about that one and it's really good. It's and that, that, as a weird sort of side fact, that was one of the ones that was a big deal because of the, I believe it was Voltage Pictures and the torrents and the lawsuits and all of oh, that, okay. where the U.S. company was trying to go after Canadians, well, and, and Americans, but right, like, they were right. trying to go after people downloading movies. And Killer Joe was one of those. I remember there was a few that were specifically, The Barons was another one, Darren Bowsman. But yeah, it was just, I don't know, like some of those things stick in my head, kind of like video nasties type stuff. I'm mean, just like, when there's a noteworthy news thing involving movies, I remember that. But it had great review. You know, I've never actually seen it, Killer Joe, I've, I, but I've heard it's incredible. Yeah, so you have an opportunity to see a whole bunch of, or depending on your schedule, at least a couple of Friedkin films. Mm-hmm. It's always that nice bittersweet thing, but it's so nice to come to a cinema and celebrate the person's life. We just did it with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Such a good movie. Holy cow, that's a good movie. Yeah. But it's just so nice to to sit there and people are laughing and it gets a big round of applause at the end, which is always funny because it's not a play. They're not here, but it's just nice, you know, nice to have that and to be able to celebrate the life of somebody who was big in cinema. And you saw that they dressed up the dinosaur in the peewee costume? I did see that, yeah. That's very important Josh-related news that you needed to know. And I have a friend in Texas and I asked his boyfriend who lives here, how close does he live to the Alamo? And I said, (laughs) I know, I know Texas is enormous. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, I know we're near. And I'm like, ah, oh, I want to go to the Alamo. Are you near the Texas Chainsaw House? Then? Yeah. <laughs> You're just naming things you've heard, you've heard of, basically. Different things in Texas. you got to be near to one of these things. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, so more cool stuff to look forward to. One other thing I'll mention, and we'll talk about more, is a really cool, technically a feature. I think it's like 62 or 65 minutes. But we've got two long-lost Kubrick films. One is called Fear and Desire. And it's, yeah, 65 minutes and it's a war movie. And then a short that's like 20 minutes called The Seafarers. Hmm. And it's a documentary about, I think it's almost like a propaganda documentary. I mean, I'm sold. And but, it's 20 minutes, but, so it's like, come on. <laughs> but so we're showing those together. Yeah. So, so like this 65-minute movie and a 20-minute movie. Just a neat opportunity to see some real long-lost Kubrick stuff up on the big screen. For under 90 minutes, like yeah, you like. <laughs> my favorite. So yeah, so that's it. That's our week of Friday, August 18th. You can find information about us on the internet at mayfairtheater.ca and on various social medias. And I always forget to do this, but be sure to go give us five stars on wherever you are listening to the podcast and retweet and re-Instagram and re-thread. Re-thread. Actually, that works. That, that one actually that, works. That sounded cool. <laughs> that's why it's called that. Wow. 
And uh, yeah, and we'll be back next week to talk about more movie screening soon at the Mayfair Theater. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh yeah, and uh, shout out to my niece Abby who made this super creepy sculpture type thing. Looks very Hellraiser-ish. Yeah. I'm gonna put it up in probably above the popcorn makers. So if you see a real creepy looking uh, six leg thing there, my niece is the best. And Gwen specifically requested to have them back on the show. That's true. We can talk about this creepy creature. <laughs> 20th Century Fox has brought you all kinds of movies. But 20th Century Fox has never before brought you anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I remember doing the time war. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is wonderfully weird. <laughs> it's fabulously freaky. We are ready for the floor show. The story is strange. I knew he was in with a bad crowd, but it was worse than I imagined. The songs are super. Just a sweet transvestite. The cast is completely crazy. <laughs> oh, Rocky! See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. 